0: Welcome to season two of Pause, Reflect, and Learn with Katie. I look forward to a new season and sharing the material that ISCDT has been working on these past few weeks. Today, we're going to discuss anthropomorphism and how it negatively affects our dog training efforts. But before we get started, I have a trivia question for you. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, the dog with the longest ears ever was named Tigger. Thinking of different dog breeds and their ears, can you guess Tigger's breed? Well, you have a few seconds to pour over that question. We'll be right back with the answer and today's topic. Want to learn dog training? Enroll with ISCDT. Our online course consists of 18 lessons that teach dog training and canine behavior. Students work hands-on with dogs and provide a video diary of their work. Visit us at ISCDT.com to learn more and enroll. Okay, so we're back. Today's trivia question. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, Tigger, the dog with the longest ears ever, was a bloodhound. His ears were over 13 inches long. Thank you to foundanimals.org for the trivia question. So did you guess correctly? All right. What is anthropomorphism? It's assigning human characteristics to an object or an animal. And it is a human trait, a pattern of behavior that was introduced to us at an early age. I mean, think back to your childhood. Our families humanized dolls, stuffed animals, and we even humanized rocks. Cartoon animals were dressed in clothing and given a voice. Some even lived in their own homes and drove cars. Think Mickey Mouse, some of the creatures on Dora the Explorer, not to mention the backpack and her notebook, Barney, Elmo, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, and even as an adult watching Ted. Anthroporphism behavior is part of our daily life. Now that we are adults, we continue this behavior with our own children, our nieces and nephews, and maybe even with students. But don't get me wrong, it isn't necessarily a bad trait. I mean, without it, we may lack compassion and empathy toward anything that is not human. Just think, if humans lacked anthropomorphism, a bond with wolves, Maybe they never would have been formed more than 33,000 years ago. And today, we may not have dogs as our best friends, but it can be a bad thing when the behavior prevents us from recognizing and respecting the identity of the non-human beings. We experience this most often between owners and their animals. I work with the biggest, meanest dogs, yet put a cat on my lap and I freeze. Why? Because as a kid, we visited family friends who had cats, and from the moment I walked in the house, I searched for their cats, and when I found them, I held them like babies. See, I grew up with big dogs, so I enjoyed cradling these little cats, but most of the time, I went home with scratch marks on my arms, my chest, and my neck. Why? Because I didn't view the cats as animals. I viewed them as small babies I could carry around. I applied human emotions and and behaviors to the cats. In my mind, they wanted to be cradled and rocked like a baby. They enjoyed sitting on my lap while I watched TV. And they weren't allowed to get down on the floor because they needed to stay safe and feel loved with me. The same thing rings true with dogs. With people having children later in life, they tend to treat their dogs as little furry children rather than a dog, as does empty nesters. It's difficult to accept that your children no longer need constant parental guidance and they now view you as intrusive and annoying. We still have so much nurturing to give. So we turn that nurturing to the dog. Now, I'm not implying that hosting a small birthday party for your dog is a bad thing. It is cute and it's harmless, provided that your dog doesn't fear people. But these special events don't necessarily enhance the dog's life, although it doesn't hurt it either. The problem arises when the humanized treatment causes damage to the dog. It doesn't matter how much we love or need our dogs, they are not furry children. They do not share the same characteristics, emotions, and behaviors that we have. They are not human. They are a different species and treating them as something other than a canine causes stress and anxiety in the dog. People often ask me how a career in dog training is suddenly so lucrative because they don't recall their childhood dogs ever receiving dog training. As a matter of fact, they didn't even know a single dog trainer growing up. Again, that can be attributed to people having children later in life and having smaller families. But also, when we were growing up, there were no stores dedicated to dogs, nor did you see dogs wearing jackets and snow boots. And 30 to 40 years ago, dogs were severely disciplined for infractions. And it was believed at that time that dogs needed to be broken in order to fix their problems. But thankfully, abusive dog training was replaced with modern dog training, where trainers began using science-based training. Rather than breaking the dog, we focused on the canine mind and how dogs learn. And that is great for dogs. But unfortunately, at some point along the line, we also stopped viewing our animals as pets. And there lies the problem. We now have scared dogs, frustrated dogs, and dogs who are out of control. And if clients want to improve the bond with their dog and solve these behavioral issues, they must truly understand and respect the canine. They must understand that dogs are not human. Their species possesses, understands and acts differently than us. Uh, While it may not be comfortable to institute some guidelines such as keeping your dog in a crate when you're not home, because we would never do that to our children, that guideline may be exactly what your dog needs to thrive and be happy. So let's discuss some of the behaviors that we need to understand and accept when it comes to our dogs. Number one, dogs thrive with rules and guidance. Letting your dog have their way seems kind to us, but believe it or not, it's confusing for the dog. Can you imagine allowing your child to decide when they want to go to school, when they want to bathe or brush their teeth each day? Our children need parents to provide a leadership role and offer guidance, and so do our dogs. Which brings us to number two, dogs need a leader. They need someone to guide them. We expose our children to new things and teach them life experiences each day. The same must happen for dogs. Number three, dogs thrive on routine. When life presents us with uncertainty, most of us feel stress. Dogs need to know that they will have access to water and food, that they will receive exercise and mental stimulation, and that their home is a safe place. They cannot feel that security when they lack a routine. Number four, dogs are natural predators. They chase hunt, and unfortunately, sometimes they kill. I've received calls from clients horrified that their dog has killed rabbits, squirrels, possums, and birds. It's gross, and it's upsetting for us that our dog would kill another animal. But it's natural that it causes a bit of fear within us. But from the dog's point of view, it's perfectly normal. They're acting from their primal hunting instincts. Now, I'm not saying that we should allow our dogs to kill the wildlife. They should be trained not to. But while it is concerning when people kill small animals, it's not the same when dogs do it. It is instinctual for dogs. We can train them not to do it, as I said, but it is instinctual, they're not murderers. Number five, dogs are animals and animals will only tolerate certain behaviors for so long. This is why they should not be left alone with children, especially children who do not live in the house. And contrary to popular belief, They should not protect your child. I know people think that that's so cute, when they do. They should not protect you because none of them are Mary Poppins. They're being territorial, and that's not a behavior that we want to welcome. Number six, and I will get beat up for this one. I always do, but I'm going to say it. Dogs do not enjoy hugs and kisses. They will tolerate it because they love you until that one day when they no longer tolerate it. You know, some may tolerate tolerate it their entire lives. Others may snap after a week, a month, a year of it. Even if your dog does not appear to have an issue with you hugging and kissing them. When someone else tries to hug and kiss that dog, the likelihood of the dog biting that person is much higher. So then people will say, but there was no warning. The dog just bit. No, there were warning signs. There always are. You just didn't see it. Dogs enjoy playing and petting. We have to stop doing things that we enjoy and start doing things that dogs enjoy. They enjoy playing with you. They enjoy being pet. They enjoy laying by you. I recently met someone who said that she wants a dog that she can carry around and hold all day because her, her family's dog, who was 16 years old, would sit on their laps for hours and she greatly enjoyed that. It made her feel good. But a current dog is a puppy and he's squirmy every time she picks him up. And at this point now, he's starting to growl and snap at them when they're holding him. But so what is the issue here? The issue is the owner wants a dog to hold, but the dog doesn't enjoy being held. So we have a dog who's unhappy and we have a client who's unhappy. Why? Because the client's not respecting the dog's needs and desires. She wants something to hold, so she expects the dog wants to be held. And that's not it. The dog is a puppy. He wants to explore. He wants to play. He doesn't want to be held like that 16-year-old dog does. So it's causing a problem in their home. Number seven, dogs require mental stimulation and physical exercise. There are so many times that I suggest people use their dog's food to train the dog. And they're always horrified because in their mind, the dog should sit it with a play setting and slowly eat their meal, savoring it and being mindful while they eat. Well, does that sound like dog behavior? Or does that sound like us putting human behavior on the dog? Have you ever watched a hungry puppy or a dog eat? They're not eating slowly. They're not eating mindfully. And they're certainly, well, I hope not, sitting at the kitchen table while they're having that meal. Feeding the dog while the dog works is good for them. Using treat-releasing bowls, snuffle mats, maize bowls, and puzzle games allows dogs to work for their food. This is similar to their ancestors who had to hunt and work for their food. It is a canine behavior. Eating out of a bowl is a human behavior. Finishing the food in under two minutes leaves the dog with nothing to do until the next meal or until you're available to give them a walk. Number eight, dogs should work for everything. Nothing in life should be given freely. We've heard it a million times. You appreciate and take care of items when you buy them yourselves over having them handed to you. And while those words were annoying to us as kids, we have to agree in our adult minds that we know it's true. But unlike our younger selves, who had to wait months or years to buy a new car or the newest and greatest computer system, Dogs only have to wait mere seconds or minutes to receive their reward. So make them sit before you throw that ball. Ask them to do a trick for a treat. Have them wait patiently for you to slip their harness and fasten the leash on before they get to go for a walk. When you make them work for things, it provides them with a sense of accomplishment. And these little acts can increase a dog's self-esteem. And this is particularly important for a nervous and unsure dog. Number 9. Understand that due to their instinct to survive, dogs are territorial by nature. Don't let your kids take bones from your dog. Don't let them crawl in the cage with the dog or bother the dog when it's sleeping. Let's train our dogs to drop when told, to leave it, to move away from a stressful situation. It gives Give dogs space when they are enjoying a bone, a treat, or a toy, and when they're sleeping. Kids will only tolerate annoying behavior from other kids so long before they start screaming or hitting. We can only tolerate naughty behavior from others for so long before we punish or lash out at another adult. Dogs will only tolerate certain behaviors for so long, too. Protect your children, respect your dog, and give them their own space when they're enjoying something and when they're sleeping. Number 10, dogs require socialization throughout their lifetime. Socializing your dog means regularly socializing the dog and not just for the first 14 weeks of life, but then keeping your dog confined within the walls of your home and the fences surrounding your yard for months and years after that. And then all of a sudden thrusting them into a situation where other dogs are present and wanting to interact with them. Nor can you expect them to deal with strangers entering your house on a regular basis if this was not the norm for them in their earlier life. See, this scenario happens once we have children. You know, beforehand, we're working full-time, so maybe we have a friend who comes over. But once that you have kids, more and more people start visiting. And once your kids reach school age, now you have kids in and out of your house all the time for play dates. So you don't want to allow years to pass in between interactions with people, animals, going for car rides, grooming, brushing, bathing, and anything else. You have to think of your future life, your dog's future life we cannot keep them in a little protective ball for a certain point of time because you don't want them to get bit by another dog because you don't want them to um, be stressed out by people but then later in life these things now are important in your life change you have a life change and these things are happening and now you expect your dog to get on board with it because they can't they won't it'll cause too much stress number 11. Socializing your dog does not mean forcing them to engage in situations that are scary. So don't allow people to interact with your dog if the dog seems a little leery of that person or frightened of that person. I I hear it all the time and it's my least favorite phrase but i'm a dog person. If you were a dog person, you would not be forcing yourselves on the dog. You would not be causing conflict to that dog by offering them food or offering them something that they really want because yeah they want it, but they don't want to have to interact with you. Instead, you have to you have to sit back Make your guests, make your visitors sit back. And if your dog decides that they're comfortable for the interaction, eventually that person can interact with your dog. And the same thing goes when you're um, socializing them with other dogs. If your dog seems fearful of dogs in a dog park or doggy daycare or something, don't force them to have to play with the dogs. You should hire a trainer who will teach you how to desensitize the dog to certain triggers, and then gradually make your dog feel more comfortable in those situations. I was recently camping, and while I was walking my dog, I overheard a woman yelling at her dog for not playing with the other dogs on a campsite that she was visiting. I mean, she was yelling and threatening the dog that she was going to take him back home and leave him in the trail all by himself. She said to him, you wanted to come here, now play with the dogs. My mouth hung open as I casually listen to her yelling at this dog. I have to add that we have passed their campsite a dozen times over the camping season, and each time we pass, when the dog notices us, he immediately turns his attention away from us and looks into the trees. The dog doesn't bark at us, He doesn't even move. He is completely still until we're at a site. Now, does that sound like a dog who wants to interact with other dogs, who likes being around other dogs? I mean, he may have wanted to go on that site, but he may have wanted to be on that site because that's where his male owner was. And he also may have wanted to go on the site because they were cooking hamburgers and the smell of the hamburgers were good to him. I don't think the other dogs were appealing to this dog. All that set aside, this was not a child who understands threats and belittling behavior because he won't play with the other children. This is a dog, and it's a classic case of anthropomorphism. Number 12, dogs should earn praise and not receive gratis praise, and that is important. It means more when the praise is genuine and when they really work for it. Number 13, dogs need calm leadership and not emotional outbursts. Don't let your dog get away with a behavior because you don't want to hurt his feelings. And then one day you explode because you can't deal with the behavior any longer. It's not fair to the dog. It's much easier if you stop the annoying or naughty behavior, such as bossy barking, right from the beginning or any bossy behavior right from the beginning. Number 14, smelling dog butts is okay when you're a dog. (laughs) Too many people yell at their dog for smelling the butts of another dog because they think it's disgusting but to a dog it's natural. They're gathering information about their canine friend. Smelling dog butts is okay. Smelling human butts, I would stop. Number 15, dogs find enjoyment by destroying their own toys. It stinks because we spend so much money on these toys and we're excited for our canine friend to have it and then second later it's just in shambles. But dogs destroy things. They get great enjoyment out of it. It's not done to upset or hurt you. It's just what they do. Number 16, Coddling and petting nervous, angry, or excited dogs send the wrong message. We show affection when the dog is in the right state of mind. So don't pet your dog when they're barking at a visitor or growling at someone who stops to speak at you or snaps at someone who gets too close to you because their behavior is not okay. So refrain from going, it's okay, it's not. Number 17, dogs live in the moment. When they do something wrong, address it immediately. Revisiting the negative behavior later in the day is just confusing to the dog. If your dog destroys things or have, or has bathroom accidents in the house, limit their freedom. You will only teach them right from wrong when you can catch the negative behavior immediately. Number 18, there is no evidence that dogs exhibit feelings of remorse or spite. And you can learn more about that topic by listening to episode 9 of Pause, Reflect, and Learn with Katie. All right, so those were a ton of tips that can help you strengthen the bond with your dog, make your dog feel more confident, more secure, and happy. But I do realize that all of these suggestions that I gave are a hard pill to swallow for many dog owners. But as trainers, we must show clients how to achieve these goals, but do so with patience and empathy, because this is a huge mind shift for our human clients. We cannot make them feel badly for doing these things because they don't know. We have to show them in a positive manner how they can enhance that dog's life, how they can make the dog feel happier and safer by making this shift in their mind and in their actions. So we paused and learned. Now it is time in the podcast to reflect. I believe I've used this quote before, but feel it is fitting for today's topics. Dogs do not speak, but only to those who know how to listen. And that quote comes from Orhan Pamok. Before we say goodbye today, we have another dog tip. Dogs do the things that we reinforce. If your dog exhibits behaviors that you don't appreciate, it's time to take a step back. Are you reinforcing those bothersome behaviors? Because dog owners inadvertently reinforce bad behaviors every day. So now is the time to play detective. If your dog is exhibiting, bossy behavior or other negative behaviors, find out who has been rewarding those behaviors because someone has. Is it you? Is it another family member? Well, once you learn the source, train the human offender to stop rewarding negative canine behavior, and then you will start seeing an improvement with your dog. And this is a nice lead in for our next podcast, where we discuss the pre-MAC principle, also referred to as grandma's rule. So we'll see you next week on Pause, Reflect, and Learn with Katie. Have a great week.